morning, everyone. It's time for us to begin this morning. I want to make one small announcement before we begin this morning. As, uh, as all of you know that this is our special contribution uh, Sunday. And if you're sitting there holding money, holding a check or money that you normally uh, put in the, the boxes that are in the back of the auditorium as you leave, we want to try to count that because Wade is going to come up at the end of service and give us a, uh, a uh, total on that. So if you're sitting here now and have got money, uh, a check or cash or whatever that you plan to put on the back, uh, could you do that now? Or either do it right before the sermon when the kids are dismissed. Or even if you just hold up your hand and uh, I know that Cody and Wade will uh, come get that from you. So we just want to have all the money counted that we can. So we want to welcome everyone. Merry Christmas to everyone as we begin our service this morning. Let's all stand for our first song. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let Joy to the earth. 
church. Merry Christmas. Glad you're here. Glad you're with us online. There's a couple of quick announcements uh, I need to make. <coughs> Excuse me. The uh, Landry, Landry Webb family from Crosby, Texas has a three-year-old son, James Brady Webb, that needs our prayers. I I apologize. I can't remember exactly. I know it's health issues uh, in that situation. Also, uh, we need to let you know that uh, Elmer Miles went to be with God this morning. And, uh, you know, he he was a, a pillar here at this church for a long time, did a lot of work here at this church and and he was a great guy and so we know that he's with God and and uh, enjoying himself there now let's pray holy father we are thankful that you allow us to bring our burdens and concerns to you we thank you for listening to us for providing for us and for caring for us Father, these past few months have been hard on a lot of people. You know better than us about our family members that have suffered because of the COVID virus, health issues, financial problems, and loved ones passing on. Specifically now, we ask that you would be with Alyssa Leung, Sue Skipper, Jim Gibson, Billy Terrell, Nyla Miles, Mary Jean Goodson, Debbie Phillips' mom, be with James Brady Webb, Father. 
We ask that you'd be with them and their families and everyone else that's on our prayer list. Give them healing, peace, and comfort as they go through these difficult situations. Lord, we ask that you would be with the church here at West Irwin. Help us to find the youth minister that we need. Give the church committee guidance and wisdom as they continue their search for the right person. Be with our teachers and staff members, deacons and elders. Give us wisdom and guidance to be able to plan for the future. Open our eyes to the opportunities that are around us and give us the courage and abilities to take advantage of them. Father, we recognize today is your day. As we worship, we want to honor and praise you. We want to say that you are our God and we want to be your people. We pray that everyone here and online would be encouraged and that your spirit would strengthen us as we go through these trials of living in a sinful world. Help us to continually walk in your light, putting aside selfish desires, and to work towards unity and peace in all that we do and say. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. To help us prepare our minds for the Lord's Supper, this morning we'll sing, I gave my life for thee. I gave my life for thee, my precious blood I shed, that Crucify your king? The crowd spoke. Crucifying. Crucifying. Kill Jesus. So Jesus, wearing his crown of thorns, carried his cross to the place of the skull. Golgotha. They crucified him between two thieves, and above Jesus' head they placed a sign Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. One of the criminals railed on him. Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. 
but the other. The other sinner rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we, and we indeed justly, for we are receiving the just reward of our deeds. But this man, he has done nothing wrong. Jesus, remember me. Jesus replied, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Today, we are those sinners justly condemned to die by our own deeds. Judgment is inevitable and we can face our judge by railing, railing about our life, our excuses, our problems, or we can humbly bow to our Savior who took our place in death. To those that have put on Christ and have the promise of eternity through his death and his burial and resurrection. The price of salvation was paid. It was purchased in full. And we remember each Sunday this gift and we give thanks. Would you pray with me? Father, my heart, my heart just hurts to know the pain Jesus had to endure because of my sins and my selfishness. My mind can't understand the brutal cruelty of men to perform such evil to Jesus, Jesus our Lord, to receive the sentence that I deserve. But I was redeemed, and my soul finds much joy in your love for me. That your eternal plan that was decided before time to save me, and not me, but all the believers, the believers that Jesus is the Son of God, from their sins. We take this bread, and we remember the gift that was given, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. The wine represents the lifeblood of Christ given to those that believe and obey our Savior. We humbly accept this gift that we could never afford but that was given to us at a very unimaginable cost. Would you pray with me? Father, we're so thankful that you gave your son to die on the cross for for us, your children. Father, we pray that we can take this blood in a, a manner acceptable to you and that your lives will make us more and more like Jesus each and every day. Thank you, Father. We ask it in his name. Amen. Twenty twenty. Twenty twenty. Twenty twenty, the year of the pandemic, the shutdown of our culture and our normal lifestyles has drastically changed all of us. I want you to know this church continues to work throughout this 
very unusual time. We completed the children's wing for the future leaders of this church. We continued to help teach the word of God in our Hispanic community. We continue to fund and support five children homes in the United States and one in Mexico. We fed hot meals each Monday night to the needy and Tuesdays for the shut-ins every week. We supported minister schools in Guatemala and Honduras. We sent uh, money for, to buy Bibles in Eastern Europe. We made blankets and bandages to send to countries that needed them. We provided a place to worship and provide food for the underprivileged in Tyler. We funded radio programs that were broadcast over several countries and we were spreading the word by various technologies here at this church. And our children were taught in many, many ways about Jesus. It is because of your generous gifts these things were done and continue to be done even during a pandemic. In the coming weeks, we're going to highlight some of these works. Uh, we were going to get more uh, film strips and uh, other ways of communicating this because I think it's important that you know what's being done. And we are doing the best we can to spread God's word. Today, the elders want to thank you for your gift on this special goal day. Will you pray with me? Giving. Father, you, you commanded us to give. But what, what can we give, Father? We have money or time or talents or maybe our hearts. It seems so small a sacrifice compared to the Savior's love. But Father, thanks be to God, you tell us it's enough. Father, I pray that you will take these funds that are given today and that your gospel will be spread, that many will hear your word and will obey. Father, we do love you so much. We ask your richest blessings on this gift, and we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're part of the uh, children's program this morning, the blast program, it's time to head to those classes at this time. And before... Davy's lesson to us this morning, Bill Allen is out of town, he's on vacation this week, so Davy is filling in for him this morning. For Davy's lesson to us, let's all stand and sing Beautiful Star of Bethlehem. Oh beautiful star of Bethlehem, shining afar through shadows dim, giving a light for those that fall at
just a few nights ago that Sonia and I were at home and we were watching a, a program on TV and the program was entitled Battle of Lights. Uh, maybe you saw it as well. And what took place, it, it highlighted four families. I think one family was from California, one from Nevada, one from New Jersey, and one from Florida. And these four families had decorated their properties in such Christmas decor that you could hardly recognize uh, that it was even a home. I mean, they went all out. It was an extreme makeover. And someone traveled from the East Coast to the West Coast and judged those properties and proclaimed a winner. I also enjoy watching the programs on HGTV from time to time. And, and I see these people looking at all different homes and they're wanting to make changes. And I'm thinking, I'd, I'd die to live in that house just as it is. And yet you read the, the Property Brothers and you uh, design on a dime house hunters, extreme makeover, flipper flop, fixer upper. I mean, there's so many extreme makeovers. And really, the final product really is an amazing thing to see. This morning, I want to talk about extreme makeovers, Christian edition. On December 6th, 1967, in Cape Town, South Africa, the first successful heart transplant took place. A team of doctors under the surgeon Christian Barnard performed that successful surgery on a 53-year-old man by the name of Louis Washkansky. The surgery was a success, but he didn't live too long following that surgery, not because of the heart transplant, but because of pneumonia set in. Three days later, December 6th, 1967, in the United States of America in Brooklyn, New York, an eight-day baby boy received the heart of a two-day baby boy, another successful heart transplant. They now say that over 250 
thousand heart transplants are performed yearly worldwide. With an 85% success rate after one year survival rate and a 69% survival rate after five years following the surgery. And so I want to talk about what the Bible has to say about a heart transplant, an extreme makeover of the human heart. What does the Bible have to say, or how does it use the term heart? It describes the heart as the center of a thing. The heart is the most important part by which the whole may be represented. Of course, the scripture does also use the term heart in the physical sense. That very organ in our chest on which our life depends upon its consistent beating and pumping of blood. And if this physical heart is pierced, the cause will be physical death. In 2 Samuel, chapter 18 and verse 14, we read the story of Absalom, the son of David. And Absalom has gone to war with a man by the name of Joab. And before the war starts, David makes it very clear to Joab and his army, make sure that nothing happens to the young man, Absalom. As you continue reading that story in that book of 2 Samuel, we will find that Absalom is is fleeing from Joab's army. And if you remember, Absalom had very long, beautiful hair. And as he was riding his animal, he went under a terebinth tree, and his hair caught in that tree, and his animal continued on, and he was left there hanging alive. But some of Joab's men came to him and said, Joab, Absalom hangs under the terebinth tree. Joab, knowing what David, the father of Absalom, had already uh, said, took three javelins and he plunged them into Absalom's heart. And Absalom died. Mainly... The Bible uses the word heart for the center of the spiritual life of man. It's what the Apostle Paul refers to the inner man. It's with this heart that we understand. It's with this heart that we comprehend. It's very important as we open the pages of God's book that we open it and that we read with an open heart, an understanding heart a ready heart, a willing heart, ready to listen and ready to hear. Matthew 15 and verse 19, Jesus says, For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts and murders and adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, and blasphemies. We also know that with the heart uh, we conceive our purposes. Uh, We conceive our actions as Galen just shared about our special contribution this morning, the church in Corinth was reminded in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7, 
So let each one give. How? As he purposes in his heart. Not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver. In Acts chapter 5, we read about a couple by the name of Ananias and Sapphira. And they had sold some land, which was a good thing. And apparently they had promised to give all they had made from that land back to the Lord. And they lied. They kept a portion for themselves. And in verse 4 of chapter 5 of Acts, it states, Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to man. You've lied to God. And it was that very day that both Ananias and Sapphira died. In the heart, we find the source of man's emotions. We find the source of our affections. Jesus also says in Matthew 5 and verse 28, I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Matthew chapter 22 and verse 37, Jesus meets and comes in contact with a lawyer. And this young lawyer asks Jesus, what is the greatest commandment in the law? What was his answer? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. You see, God's main interest in us is our heart. He knows our heart. He knows our thoughts. He knows our motives. The nature and attitudes of the patient who follows that physical heart transplant aren't necessarily changed at all. But a person who listens to the word of God, it affects that heart. It can make it over in a very, very extreme way way. And so I want us to next answer this question, why why a heart transplant? Well, from a physical standpoint, it's a very dangerous and risky medical intervention. And it is only done when the old heart cannot be helped in any other way. I was born with a heart murmur. At the age of five, I was diagnosed with rheumatic fever. I was in kindergarten. Because of that illness, I missed 57 days of kindergarten. And so my parents decided to hold me back. And I went to kindergarten a second time. I'm the only person I know who ever flunked. I have made so many kids feel good through the years who have been held back in class because I've always been able to say, at least you made it through kindergarten. At the, in eighth grade, I had a relapse. I spent 14 days in the hospital in Sublette, Kansas. In July of 2014, being a member right here at West Irwin Church of Christ, I was put in ETMC, East Texas Medical Center. I was given a new aortic valve. 
a mechanical valve. And it lasted about two years. But it got infected due to a disease called endocarditis. And that endocarditis ate that mechanical aortic valve apart. And so I was placed back in ETMC in February of 2016. And I was in the hospital, I think, about 10 days. And it was determined then that there was nothing they could do for me there. And so I was taken by ambulance to Baylor Heart Hospital in Plano, Texas, where one of the finest heart surgeons around gave me another aortic valve, a cadaver valve, and here I stand. Able to speak, not too great of a way, but able to speak and willing to speak because of modern medicine and modern technology. Not a full heart transplant, but I know what a damaged heart can do. We need to realize that God in his word pronounces a similar diagnosis concerning our spiritual heart. Because of man's heart, the Bible says certain things. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, or Romans 1 and verse 21, the human heart and its relationship to God is darkened. It's darkened. And the scripture says, although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And I want you to know that as human beings, we cannot ignore God without punishment. That's his promise. If we depart from the light... Darkness will overshadow us. The word of God also speaks of the heart as being the seat of man's will. Prior to the flood, in the days of Noah, in Genesis 8 and verse 21, it says of mankind, the the imagination of man's heart is evil and wicked from his very youth. Jeremiah said about Israel, They followed the counsels and the stubborn promptings of their own evil hearts. And they turned their back and they went in reverse instead of forward. And Jesus himself spoke these words, The evil man out of his inner evil storehouse flings forth evil things. And knowing this, I've come to realize from a spiritual standpoint that a heart transplant is my only hope. It's my only hope. If we could begin to see the human heart as God sees it, then we would better understand why he sees a heart transplant as our only hope. Time and time again throughout the Old Testament, God tried over and over to renew and to restore the nation of Israel. And speaking through his prophet Ezekiel to Israel, Ezekiel said, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit within you. 
I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give to you a new heart of flesh. And that prediction came true with the coming of Christ. The coming of Christ and his new covenant. The New Testament is living proof of such a heart transplant. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus in chapter 4, verse 22 through 24. Lay aside the old man which is being corrupted with the lusts of deceit and put on the new man which is in the likeness of God which he has created. A spiritual heart transplant is our only hope. And if it's our only hope, then we need to learn how it takes place. How does the heart transplant take place? How can I receive that extreme makeover that took the old man and made him new? God appointed Jesus, his only begotten son, because Jesus alone possesses the necessary wisdom the necessary skill, and most important of all, the indispensable blood without which the heart transplant could occur. The reason I had to have two aortic valves replaced is because my valve was not working properly and it was just causing blood to backsplash. It wasn't allowing it to pump through my heart. In a spiritual sense, we need, we must have the blood of Jesus Christ. It's our only hope. It's our living hope. It keeps us spiritually alive. And Jesus knows how to use the scalpel. He is the greatest physician of all. I am grateful for the two surgeons that provided me new valves for my heart. I am most grateful for Jesus Christ, my Savior, who gave me a new, a new heart. He knows how to use the scalpel. It's his word. His word. Hebrews 4.12 The word of God is living and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God can change me. The word of God can change you. On Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2, as Peter and the other apostles We're preaching that first recorded sermon. And that multitude of people that gathered that day who heard them speak, it says they were cut to their heart by what they heard. They realized they had crucified the Lord. They had nailed Him to the cross. And they were cut to their heart. You see, the Word of God pierces people. And because it pierced their hearts, they asked Peter and the others, Men and brethren, what must we do? 
Peter said, repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Those people heard the gospel. They heard the gospel and it cut their heart. And they did repent. And they were baptized. And their sins were forgiven. And in verse 47 of that same chapter, we find that the Lord added them to the church, his body. Well, I want you to know this morning the gospel can still change a man's heart. Through the gospel, Christ exchanges our old darkened heart for a new enlightened heart. Ephesians 5.14 says, Awake you who sleeps, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Christ will give us light. When someone sees the light, he's able to grasp something that he was not able to see before. I need to step behind the pulpit for a minute because I have an illustration I want to end with. I have here a pumpkin. Not a real one. It's not the right season. But this plastic one will have to work. This pumpkin. This heart. The heart of a real pumpkin is filled with seeds. It's filled with seeds. And it is around Halloween each year that many, many families will go and purchase a pumpkin. And they'll cut it open and they will take the heart of that pumpkin out. And they will cast aside the seeds. And then they will carve a face. And then they will place a light inside. And that light will shine. And it gives it a total makeover appearance. Totally different. Well, the one who truly wants to serve God takes the old heart and the seeds that corrupt it. Seeds like pride and envy and jealousy and hate and immodesty and lying and stealing and prejudice and on and on and on it goes. One final thing about this pumpkin I forgot to mention. Not only does it become, have a different look, it's given a different name. It's no longer Mr. Pumpkin. It becomes Mr. Jack. Mr. Jack. Well, when we rid ourselves of the seed of anger and prejudice as the list goes on, and we hear and we listen to the gospel of Christ, and our heart is pricked, it's cut to the very core, and we repent, and we're baptized into Christ, and Jesus takes the throne of our heart who happens to be the light of life, And he sits on that throne and God gives me and has given me and you a new name. The name Christian. Because we live lives now that have a Christ likeness about us. We rid ourselves of those old seeds 
of doubt. I love what Paul says in Galatians 2 and verse 20. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Peter writes in 1 Peter 3 that baptism is an appeal to God for a good conscience. It is through obedience to the gospel at baptism that our heart is transplanted to those who have already been baptized, to those who wear the name Christian. It's very important that we take this word of caution. I'd like to read to you from Colossians chapter 3. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting in the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Therefore put to death, those are these seeds you've got to get rid of, Put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are put off. You have put off all these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. One of my favorite songs is a song entitled, Do You Know My Jesus? Do you know my Jesus? I love the second verse. And it's very appropriate with today's message. Where's your heart, O pilgrim? What does your light reveal? Who hears your call for comfort when naught but sorrow you feel? Do you know my Jesus? Do you know, my friend, have you heard he loves you and that he will abide to the end? Where is your heart, O pilgrim? What does your light reveal? Do you know, my Jesus? If not, you can And so I would ask that if you have a need this morning, that you would come as together we stand and as we sing. Days are filled with sorrow and care. Hearts are lonely and drear. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. Jesus is very
Thank you, Davey, for such a good lesson. We know your heart, and that's why we all love you so very much. Uh, this has been a challenging year for this church and all of us individually, but we see the light at the tunnel, we hope, with vaccines coming available that hopefully in the next few months, not only uh, our lives outside of this church will become back to normal, but our church activities will as well, which gives us a little bit of time to finish our project. Because our special contribution, I'm sorry, it kind of it gets me because our goal was $125,000. This morning, this church gave $245,000. is just a quarter million to have been a little easier for me to get out, but that's okay. We're real close to a quarter million now. So the elders of this church want to thank you for the confidence that y'all have shown in our leadership and our decisions, not only through this pandemic, but moving forward out of it as well. And the, but the main glory goes to God, and you're to be commended for your, for your giving to God's work and God's kingdom and the spreading of the gospel through this lost world. Thank you. Thank you again for being here this morning. We want to say again, if you are visiting with us, we appreciate you coming, and we hope that you will uh, come back and join us again. We hope that everyone has a great holiday week. We know Christmas Day is coming up this week, so we hope everybody enjoys it as much as they can during this, during this time. For our closing song this morning, we're going to sing the first verbs of Silent Night, and then David Canifax will close out our service. Let's all stand. Silent Night, worship you and Lord we pray that this assembly has been pleasing to you Lord we thank you for the words that Davy has shared with us this morning we also thank you for the encouragement that we receive from being gathered together Lord thank you for the wonderful news that Wade shared with us a few moments ago and we thank you for uh, the generosity of this congregation and we uh, pray that these funds will do great things in your kingdom Lord, I pray that you'll be with us as we depart from this place. I pray that as we go about this coming week, that, that 
we will shine our lights, that we will be able to show our heart uh, that we have for you, Lord. Um, I pray that you'll be with those that will be traveling this week, and I pray that, though, that you'll be with those who are sick, and I pray that they may have, have a speedy recovery. Lord, we thank you for your son, and we thank you for the sacrifice that he made for each and every one of us. And I pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.